Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Hello again. Hello. I hope you're doing well. Vince Quinn with you on CBS Sports Radio. The morning show convent, uh, commences in a full edition. Last week we were an hour short, which I don't know who to blame for daylight savings time, but I'm going to have to yell at somebody for cutting the show an hour short. I don't think that was right of them to do. And so we are full scale for tonight. You get four hours. Of I, I don't know if I say like action-packed intensity because that's not exactly what we do, but we're going to have a good time. There's a lot of things to talk about, NFL free agency. There's a LeBron James injury that we'll have to get to. You've got the tournament and everything going on with March Madness. So there's a lot of things all over the place, a lot of conversation to cover. But I hate to do this. Sometimes you have to talk about real things. That's the fact of sports. We look at it a lot of times as being an escape, right? That's the big value of things. That's why over the past couple of years, especially, as we have all these different conversations that become political for very big reasons. As we get to those conversations, some people just say, you know, I just don't want to hear about this. I'm here to watch people, you know, play sports. I just want to watch people play a kid's game. I don't want to get into these serious discussions, but... Sometimes there are things that are so big that you just can't ignore them. And when you hear the news that Deshaun Watson is being accused of all sorts of things by a mountain of people, this is really serious and ugly business. And so what I want to do to start things off here is I want to give you a little bit of a rundown of what happened. I want to talk about what this means for Deshaun Watson I want to talk about what this means for the Houston Texans, what we know, what we don't know. And so that's how we're going to start things off here. We'll have Cole Thompson, who covers the Houston Texans. He's a beat reporter with Sports Illustrated in Houston. He'll be joining the show at the end of the hour here. So we're going to be talking a lot about this whole situation. Because again, when you get a guy like Deshaun Watson, I mean, the amount of conversation that we've had over the last couple of weeks and months about this guy, a 25-year-old quarterback, right, as talented as he is, top five guy in the league, to be available for all the whatever reasons he was available, problems with the team and whatever. Exceptional talent, exceptional story, exceptional opportunity. And now, I mean, you could throw everything out the window that you thought you knew with Deshaun Watson. So let's start at the beginning here. And... Just a couple of days ago, reports started to come out that Deshaun Watson was being accused of sexual misconduct. Now, this had to relate to massages, which obviously for athletes is a pretty commonplace thing. But there were some details regarding inappropriate behavior within the massage. Now, as one story with a lot of professional athletes and famous people, what we tend to do is people like to be skeptical. Oh, well, this person's famous. They seem like a great guy. They couldn't possibly. Maybe this person's out for bad blood, whatever. But here's the thing. It goes far beyond just 
a single case. And we go to Tony Busby, who's representing a shocking number of people in this situation. We are now representing 12 women. Uh, and we will file the remaining cases, uh, the additional five cases, in due course as we do our due diligence. You should also know that we've also spoken to more than 10 additional women. So more than, more than 22 women that we've spoken to uh, who have reported conduct similar to that laid out in our public filings. So again, this is as serious as it can possibly get. 22 women have talked to a lawyer about some sort of sexual assault, sexual misconduct surrounding Deshaun Watson. A number of them have already filed cases on a civil level, which, of course, is not criminal. Civil is related to money, financial damages. But these cases, as of Monday, are going to be filed criminally, at least a number of them. And that's the thing here. Just a couple of days ago, it was one person, then it was two people, then it was four people, then it was nine people, and the number continues to grow. And it's not just the idea that all of these cases have popped up, but there's an alarming factor with the timing as well. One of the clients that we represent, even after we had had correspondence and after we had talked to um, Mr. Watson's lawyer, he did it again. I mean, this conduct happened as recently as this month. Very ugly situation for Deshaun Watson. And so, again, all the typical conversations that you might have, debates that people like to get into of questioning the legitimacy of a case and whatnot for one person, this is now a large number of women. There seems to be a connection in terms of the way Deshaun Watson allegedly, and we I have to say that, and will continue to say that many times, allegedly did with these women. There is a recurring theme, has been the impression that's been put out through Tony Busby, who was the lawyer representing all of these women, and that we just heard from. So, How serious is all of this? Well, obviously, it's incredibly serious. Right now, even if all of these cases are just civil and it is financial, the problem is you're dealing with a guy that is an NFL quarterback, okay? You don't just skate away from a situation like this, especially when there's so many different cases. He could settle all of these cases, but also if he's settling, you know, 12 cases civilly with sexual assault, that's not a good look. And you got to figure, this is the NFL. Think of the ways that they've punished players. Think of the court of public opinion. What does it look like to settle 12 cases of sexual assault, sexual misconduct in a civil manner? What does that look like? Right? So there's a lot of things at play here. And for Deshaun Watson, he's going to have a lot of problems on his hand because obviously he's got to manage all of these cases now for each single charge that pops up. And again, we'll see what the number ends up being when it becomes civil plus criminal as they're talking with more women right now, who knows how many other women could show up right now. Again, there are 22. Does that number continue to grow? Well, as all of these cases pop up, he's going to have to start focusing all of his time and attention towards clearing his name. And so that's going to be a lot of interviews with a lot of lawyers constantly 
on all of these different cases. What were you doing this day? How did you know that person? What kind of interaction did you have? How many times did you interact with them? Do you have any evidence of those interactions? And you're doing that day in and day out. This will be exhausting. Have you seen any celebrity court case? It's not smooth. It's not quick. It's not easy. He's got at least, what, 12? So... For right now, Deshaun Watson has a whole world of problems. And he's going to have to have a major battle here in the court of public opinion. The more, you know, the greater the number gets, the more difficult it is to explain away. Not to say, again, it's all alleged and we're going to have to see where all of this goes. But let's be honest that, you know, 22 women as of now is not a good look and it doesn't make you all that confident in things. So that's where you stand right now with Watson. He's going to have a major financial investment. He's going to have a major time investment. He's going to have a lot of problems in the short term. What does it mean for Houston? Well, obviously, you can't trade this guy. For all the problems they have about will he stay, can they convince him to stay, Uh, he's talking about sitting out for the season, does he really mean that? Would he show up? If they start the year and he's got all these fines, maybe he'll play. All those discussions that we had before, they're all out the window. Talking about a guy that's a 25-year-old quarterback that's an absolute superstar, one of the five best quarterbacks in the league, none of that matters right now. Doesn't matter. Doesn't mean anything. Who trades for this guy? And you might be sitting around going like, oh, well, my Bears just signed Andy Dalton. Why didn't they go? They, they should go and sign Deshaun Watson. They should trade for Watson. His value's low, which, one, is a horrible way to look at things. And, two, when you're considering this situation, imagine you're the person making the deal. Imagine you're the person that picks up a phone and calls Houston and says, yes, I know everything that this guy is accused of right now. In civil court, I know all of it. I understand it well. And let me tell you, I'd love to give three first-round picks, a second, and a young player. And you know what? I'd love to pay him $40 million a year. How do you do that? There's no way on earth. It's not possible. It's insanity. And that's the thing. Like, this whole thing, for some reason, seems to be tracking slowly with people. I read an article, I think on Friday, that was, well, I, Team X is interested in trading for Deshaun Watson. And then it was like a footnote. It was like, oh, well, yeah, he's connected to you know, all these different sexual assault cases. But if they end up landing a deal, it's like, what do you mean if they end up landing a deal? Yeah, what do you mean if they strike a deal? What are we talking about? What universe do you live in? Okay, it, it's 12 women. It's 12 cases. Like, it's a lot. This isn't just an axe to grind. This isn't a jilted lover. Like, this, a lot of people, okay? There's a lot of stuff to sort through. And so you can't just dismiss this and go, well, his trade value's down. Now's the time to strike. You can't move to Sean Watson for anything. Nobody is touching this guy right now. Nobody is giving up draft picks and money and their reputation and putting that on the line to bring this guy into a franchise. So for Houston, you had something ridiculously valuable, and now you've got nothing. You've got nothing. He's not worth anything right now. And so here's the thing that's going to be complicated about all of this. 
because he is such a big-time, high-profile player, superstar, quarterback at the beginning of his prime. The tough thing with this, and we're going to have to acknowledge this problem because we don't, we don't like to do this, but the truth is we don't know. We don't know this guy, all right? We don't know who he is. We don't know any celebrities. How much do you really know celebrities? How many times have we been burnt by people that we thought we knew and knew absolutely nothing about? To see somebody in a press conference for a couple of minutes and talk about a sport or a movie or whatever it is, it's easy. Yeah, you turn on the charm for a couple of minutes. You can be fun. You can be light. You can be funny. But who are they really? Like, we have no idea who he is. He might be a great guy, and that's the thing. We we got to see how all this plays out. We don't know who any of these women are. We don't know what any of the circumstances are. So you have to go into this. You have to approach this with the idea that we don't know. We can't assume that we know anything here. We got to wait for reports to come out. We need to wait for court filings. We need to see how many of these cases are criminal and how many aren't. What is the quality of that evidence? There's a point where this information is going to be, one, put together by the lawyer, then submitted to the Houston police. Then you're talking about grand juries and you're talking about the idea of, of criminal charges and what passes. Like, There's a lot of steps here. There's a lot of information that we don't have, right? All we know is who Deshaun Watson has been in terms of a high-profile football player. We know that there are a lot of women that are accusing him of some terrible things. And so that's all we got. You can't make assumptions here. But thinking about what this process is going to be and really how long it'll go on for. And I think on some level, that is a massively important issue here because this isn't going to go away overnight. If you heard the press conference that Tony Busby had, who is the lawyer representing all of these women, one of the things that he mentioned was the idea that, hey, before all this went public, we didn't want to go public. We wanted to just have a conversation, figure out some settlements, and move on. And in those cases, those cases disappear quickly, right? Settlements, they're quiet. They're out of the public. You pay some cash. There's an NDA that's signed, and you you go on and live your life. But if we're talking about civil court, we're talking about trials, we're talking about potentially criminal investigations, we're talking about trials, this won't be quick. This won't be easy. This won't be painless. And you think of athletes over the years that have been in big, high-profile moments, whether they've been you know, criminal activity or even just sports illegalities. I remember A-Rod and his different PED stuff where every day he's in the news for one reason or another. Here's the development with A-Rod. Here's the new thing with A-Rod. You have the Michael Vick case on a more serious level and what that was like with the constant trial and day in and day out and all the rumors and all the information and what it looks like walking into a courtroom, walking out of a courtroom, the sketches. And for Deshaun Watson, that's what this is starting to look like. This is going to be a long process. This is not going to be easy. The stink on his name will be there unless it becomes abundantly clear to everybody that all of these cases are fraudulent. You see, like, this is ugly business here. So when you look at a situation that's this crazy, you have to take it seriously. There are people right now, and I'll say this, 
There are conspiracies floating around right now about this. Oh, maybe the Houston Texans did it to get back at Deshaun Watson or to keep him on the team. You're an idiot, okay? If you believe that kind of thing, you are stone-cold dumb, okay? There's no way that an organization is going to go out of their way to bring out cases like this to get their franchise quarterback to stick around. Are you out of your mind? Do you know the kind of problems that would cause? you know how much jail time you're going to get for that? You lose all the money you've ever made in your life for that? It, it's completely ridiculous. You know? So there's going to be all sorts of nonsense that goes on at this as well. And so the main thing I can ask is you have some level of patience, you have some level of scrutiny, and we let this thing play out. But it is very serious, and it does not look good right now for Deshaun Watts. So... If you want to talk about it, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show, 855-212-4227. And when we come back, I want to get a little bit more into what this means for the Texans as an organization and where they or what options they have going forward. So that is all coming up next. Keep it right here. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. It ain't no joke. I like to buy the world a token. Teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. And teach the world to snuff the fires and the liars. Hey, I know it's just a song, but it's fine for the recipe. This is a love attack. I know it. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. So for the Houston Texans, you look at the Sean Watson situation, and it's ugly. It's, it's really, really bad. And so trying to figure out what are their options, assuming Deshaun Watson, especially for the short term, is not available. Well, they don't have a lot, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But if you want to get involved... 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. I'm Vince Quinn. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. We go to Peter in Atlanta. Peter, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on? Hey, Vince. How are you tonight? Doing good. Hey, a uh, couple things. There's a, uh, a very influential person who will have some say in the uh, Sean case. Sounds kind of strange, kind of odd. A little, it's not far-fetched because she had some influence in the Roethlisberger uh, incident or mm. alleged incident, let's call it, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, Virginia McCaskey, who's one of the most uh, powerful and wealthy sports owners uh, in, the, in the world, uh, Virginia is going to probably have some say with the family, uh, with the ownership in Houston, as she did with the Roonies in, uh, in Pittsburgh with Ben. And... Uh, there was a comment I think you made earlier about, you know, the Bears, maybe Deshaun. Uh, she's very, very, very influential behind the scenes in some of these sexual assault and sexual innuendo cases. Uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, she she's the lady who got rid of the Bears cheerleaders, you know, 30 years ago. So, you know, Deshaun is going to have some, some issues, and uh, I'm sure that uh, some of the female ownership in the league is going to step in and uh, make sure that this is thoroughly investigated. And I'm sure Miss McCaskey or Mrs. McCaskey will be uh, will be influential in uh, the outcome of his career in the NFL. Uh, 
just thought I'd throw it in. Yeah. And uh, as more females are owners of these teams, there's going to be a lot more scrutiny to this stuff, and it's not going to be swept under the rug like it was 40 years ago. Oh, exactly. And, Peter, I appreciate it, man. That's the thing. Like, this is, I mean, even talking about Roethlisberger and and how long ago that was – Climate's totally different, okay? The level of coverage that everything gets, it it lives for 24-7. 24-7, 365. Any story, if it's got enough energy behind it, it is going to constantly, around the clock, be talked about. When you talk about sexual assault and where we've been over the past, what is it now, two years or so, where everything has gone, you just, this isn't going to just disappear, Okay, there's too many people involved. It's too big of an issue. He's too big of a name. And so this is ugly. I mean, this is really ugly, terrible stuff going on right now. And Deshaun Watson, is he's got a lot of cases he's going to have to fight here to clear his name. Now, with that being the case, you do have to look at what the Houston Texans can do about this. Right? Because he's still on the team. They can't trade him. There's nobody on the planet Earth right now that is an owner of an NFL team that is willing to let their GM make a call and bring that guy on board. How do you offer him $40 million a year? How do you do it? How do you give up anything of substance for him right now? You can't do it. You don't know, honestly, you don't know if he's even going to play in the league again. This might be it. That's the worst case scenario here. So he's stuck in Houston right now. What do you do? Well, you got to figure Monday is going to be a big day because you're getting the cases and those things are going to be submitted over to the Houston Police Department. How many of those things stand up to being a criminal case? That's going to be a major question. Then you figure with the amount of this and the fact that it's still been just a couple of days that this news came out, the NFL is probably going to react soon. So within the next couple of weeks, or if not within the next week, I would not be surprised if the NFL looked at Deshaun Watson and said, look, we're indefinitely putting him aside. He's on the commissioner's list, whatever it is, and he's not even technically on the roster. So given that, if you're Houston, here's the thing that's crazy about this, because Houston, as you know, for a lot of reasons, outside of the Watson situation now, it was the Watson situation before with how they made him so disgruntled, telling them they were going to commit to certain things and then not doing it. But then you have Bill O'Brien and all the trades that he made, and it's all piled up for Houston. That's the problem. All of this keeps adding and adding and adding because think about this, okay? This is, I mean, it's it's crazy. So Houston, in this situation with Deshaun Watson, they should have an ace in the hole, which would be the number three pick in the draft. They don't have it. They don't have it. They gave it up for Laramie Tunsil. So not only do they not have that first-round pick, that number three overall pick, which could have been Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. You know, you had choices there. They don't have their second-rounder either. So they're not getting any significant quarterback this year. Signing Tyrod Taylor for a one-year filler deal is whatever. But they could have gotten at least as lucky as you can be in this situation and go, okay, well, if we're going to have this situation with Watson and who knows if he plays again, well, let's go and draft a kid that could be the future, and then we figure it out later. They can't do that. So bad decisions in the past are catching up to them as you know, unfortunate things are happening to the organization as well. But you pair that up with you know the general dysfunction and distrust in the building, 
it's just, I mean, they have nothing going for them. Zero. You look at teams and you go, oh, well, they're bad for a long time or their owner's cheap or whatever it is. You have ways you can look at a team and, and they've got issues. What can you say that's positive about the Houston Texans? Nothing. Zero. Really bad stuff. Let's go to uh, let's go to Chuck in Baltimore. Chuck, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Robert Kraft, Sean Watson. We'll have this conversation. I just want to hear what your people say. Wait, Robert Kraft? I mean, Robert Kraft and what he did, at least he was paying somebody, one. And two, I mean... I'm. I'm. I know it's not great, but like, the, the, also, it's what one or two women. Where this is twenty-two women. It's just. It, it's. It's totally different, Chuck. Men will be men in professional football. So you're okay with this? Not at all. And by you the sound way, like you're excusing it, Chuck. Actually, you, I'm. You, I'm. Uh, you're saying men will be men, so you're saying this is just what it is. That's what you're telling me. Yes, I am. Okay. Completely. Well, sorry, I Chuck. I, I, there's no chance. There's no way in hell we're having that conversation. You're wrong, buddy. There's nothing acceptable about any of this whatsoever. Um, let's take one more. We'll go to Alex in Houston. Alex, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Oh, uh, uh, thank you, sir. Uh, it, it, like you said, it's been super rough to be a fan in Houston, Texas over this last year. Uh, you know, with the with the baseball cheating and then the Rockets losing and now. This and anytime something happens good, we always get something go go bad. And what I call this because I just took a little offense to what you said when you said we're out of our mind. But people think it's a conspiracy because I don't think I don't. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do believe in opportunist, big time. And I'm not saying that these women are opportunists. Unlike your last caller, there's nothing right about what he did if he did it. You know, I always say if, and I know you guys always got to say alleged and allegations because you know we don't know. So when you say that we don't know what's going on. The fact that it could be a conspiracy, I don't take that. Um, I don't. I don't think that's that's not uh, too far fetched. But twenty two with twenty two. You think twenty two different people all conspired to come out of the woodwork no, no. with sexual assault I don't think allegations? Conspired. I believe that once the floodgates opened and he employed the lawyer employed women to come forward, there were people who were opportunists who were taking this opportunity to, to uh, and even if it is from their point of view, we can't we can't discredit their point of view. But uh, until the criminal things start coming up about, you know, I know I was on the fence, but now when they say that Monday they're going to be turning over, I didn't know lawyers did investigations for cops. That's another story, I guess. But if they say that the HPD is going to investigate, well, then that gives it a little bit more credence, a lot more credence. It's not just a money grab. And, you know, the fact that they tried to negotiate before that and he turned them down, I think that's what innocent people do. They We always complain about if... if wait, if wait, innocent, well, innocent... But, well, here's the thing, Chuck. For, for the lawyer, their thing is you have to have somebody that is willing to press charges. You have to be willing mm-hmm. to do that criminally and go to court and sit on a stand and have interrogations and all those different things. If they don't want to do that, which is common in these kinds of cases, then they go civil. And that way, and, you don't have to be in the spotlight. It's a, it's a different scenario that way. And I know, I know. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to bring up conspiracy because I'm I'm not a believer in conspiracy theories. I'm a believer that people use opportunity more than they use conspiracy. And, okay, and, uh, and, and I hear that, yeah. Chuck, but here's the thing, too, is with your own theory then, let's say some of these people are opportunists. you got 22, let's say a couple of them, whatever number you want to sign are opportunists. It is based on the idea in your own theory then that a lot of these people are legitimate, and that's what started all of this. 
Well, I don't think they're legitimate. I just think they have their point of view. They have their side of the story. Uh, and just because you have your point of view and it looks good to you, perspective is, is, is everything. And uh, you might see something and you might have had a disagreement. And once they talk about it and, and like you said, negotiate or, or get into the investigation, they'll see. And for a, a lot of people, and again, I'm not dogging you or getting mad at you for saying we're crazy because, again, I, I, I'm definitely not a conspiracy theory, but it can see it. And, and it's not precedence has been set there. And I know people bring this up and you think it's crazy, but same thing happened to Kobe Bryant when he wanted to leave L.A. He got the charges. And then if they settle and it's not criminal, this is Houston, bro, and I don't think you know this. This is not New York. We have one newspaper. All the radio stations fawn and, and fall over themselves for every franchise. So if their stories don't want to get out, if they if their stars don't want to be bothered, they won't be bothered. And if he says, all right, well, Alex, and hey, and I'm Houston, Alex, I'm sorry, I'm up against it. I, I'm getting tall. Yeah. I got to run. But look, it, here's the thing: it, it, there's a lot of women making these accusations. I, I have a hard time believing this is all people that don't have any legitimate intention here or any legitimate case. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, Vince Quinn, fungible token, here with you on CBS Sports Radio. I really don't know what it means either. Um, talking about a lot of things with Deshaun Watson in the first hour of the show. I do want to change gears a little bit here and take a look at what just happened with LeBron James. So, if you didn't see it, Here's basically what happened. LeBron James, he's dribbling the ball, and he's out there. He's getting in a little bit of traffic. A defender from the Hawks goes to reach for the ball. They take a weird angle. They're sort of diving at the floor. They're sort of not. It's just a weird play. They go down after the ball. They hit LeBron in the leg. He twists his ankle. He rolls over his ankle in a pretty bad way. I mean, he hits the floor. He's yelling out loud. Like, it's a it's a bad look. Now, here's the weird thing. He gets back in the game, shoots a three, hits it, <laughs> maintains a 10-point streak, which he's now had four, and I, I've got the number here somewhere, 1,036 Straight games of scoring 10 points. I don't know if he knew he was at seven and he wanted the three before he got out of the game. I don't know if that was coincidental. I don't know. But LeBron James got injured, hit the three-pointer, shortly thereafter left the game, and now he's out indefinitely. Pretty badass shot, okay? (laughs) It's pretty awesome. So for LeBron James, though, now that he's out, You look at the Lakers and you go, "Uh uh-oh. You know, this has to be... At first, you have the Anthony Davis injury, and you go, well, they got LeBron. It's the regular season. There's plenty of games left. Like, not a huge deal. They're still towards the top of the West. But now, Anthony Davis has been out for a couple of weeks. Now, LeBron James is out indefinitely. Marcus Saul is injured as well. 
And so you're looking at this and you're going, uh-oh, this does not look very good for the Los Angeles Lakers. But here's the other thing. Their schedule is rough coming up here. Okay? They just had a nice little easy stretch. They played the Kings. They played the Pacers. They played the Warriors. They played the Timberwolves. Not bad. Not bad. But now, oh, man. I mean, you got the Suns coming up. They're going to be playing them tonight. You got the Pelicans. You got the Sixers, who they don't have Embiid, but the Sixers have been playing tough lately. Um, you're going to have the Bucks coming up pretty soon. Clippers aren't too far ahead. Raptors, Heat, Nets, Knicks. Like, there's there's a lot of good teams coming up on the schedule for the Lakers. And so now you're without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Lakers aren't built for this. They're, this is not what they're ready for at all. This is what happens when you're a top-heavy team and they've traded a lot of things to get the team that they've got. Right? Like, the next pick that they can trade, I was reading about this. This is crazy. The next pick that the Lakers could trade as a first-rounder, 2027. 2027. That's the next closest first-round pick that they can actually move right now. They don't have much to work with here. And you got the trade deadline coming up in just a couple of days. So you're going to have a lot of things to figure out here. And it's a question of how dramatic of a move do they make? How desperate does it make them? How much does it move the needle? And really, what can they give up? I mean, that's the thing. There's no easy solution here. So for the Lakers, you're in a weird spot. Now, a couple of things, as much as there's a lot of negatives here, looking at the positives or, you know, making the most of it, I guess, is a, a better way to phrase all of this. When you're figuring out what it's going to look like going forward, well, one, Anthony Davis, haven't heard that he's off schedule. He was proposed to be on a four-week plan we could see him soon. So if Anthony Davis comes back soon, everything's all right. Everything's fine. Top five player in the NBA. He can carry the team for a couple of weeks. That's who he's supposed to be. We've seen enough of it. As he's been in LA, you can believe that he can handle himself just fine without LeBron James. They'll win enough games, even against tough competition. They'll be at least passable. But, Really, here's the bigger question is how far can you fall in the West? Because I've talked about it before and I've I've thought generally, hey, it's not a huge deal if you're the third seed. Like when Anthony Davis got hurt, I was basically like, well, you got LeBron. As long as you're in like the top four, I think you'll be okay. The more I'm looking at this, I don't know. I mean, here's the problem for the Lakers, right? You got Anthony Davis coming back soon, hopefully. Who knows how far LeBron is or how long LeBron is going to be out. You got 30 games left on the schedule. So as you're getting towards the end of the season here, as you play all of these tough games, when in that stretch does Anthony Davis come back? How many games does it take him to get to the kind of form that you need him to be at and also for him to be back on that level of chemistry with the team? You know, it's it's not easy to just come back in after being off for a month and just pick it up and be totally good to have previously played with LeBron alongside you for all those minutes, and now he's not in. So 
it's going to be an adjustment when he comes back. And you really want them to get to a point where if, if you're trying to set goals here, I mean, <laughs> look at the top six of the West. Look at the top six. I mean, you're talking about the Nuggets, I believe, are the five seed right now. The Blazers are the six. Clippers are four. Like, it ain't easy. It ain't easy. And so if you're looking at those kinds of teams in the first round of the playoffs, man, that is not a spot where you want to be, especially if LeBron's missing time. If he's missing a significant amount of time with a high ankle sprain, and that's what they've said that it is. So no major damage, tears, anything like that, but it's going to be a little bit of while. Again, he's out indefinitely. So as they're balancing all of this, you are going to have to wonder, does a clock tick in their heads? Does it get to a point where they go, you know, we are going to have to. Anthony Davis is really close. Maybe we get him out there a game or two earlier than we would have. Maybe we get LeBron back a game or two earlier than we would have. Because for LeBron, he's all about that. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to rest. That's not what I do. That's not who I am. And on some level, I respect that. But also, he's 36. He's played more minutes than anybody. And you just want him to be as healthy as he can be. So finding that balance of when to bring people back and finding out how much time they need to gel before the start of the playoffs, because that's really the thing for the Lakers. You want this team to be as good as they can possibly be going into the playoffs, especially if you're playing the Nuggets in the first round or the Blazers in the first round. If you've got Dallas, if you've got San Antonio, you can win those series. Like, that's, that's not a major thing. You can work out some kinks and you can be all right. But if you're going into it and it's not exactly where you want it to be, Portland can punch you in the mouth. So it's just a dangerous spot for them to be right now. And with all the injury stuff popping up, it's a very complicated situation for the Lakers. And again, trade deadline is just a couple of days away. So what kind of move do they make in the short term to react to all of this? How much do they try to course correct here? How much does it change the plan? So, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. We go to Carl in Atlanta. Carl, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, guy? Yo, what's up? Yeah, I, um, I'm glad you uh, brought up the uh, Lakers. I'm a big Lakers fan. I've uh, been mm-hmm. a big Lakers fan for a long time. Um, but I just want to say, I think um, that the Lakers... It's all about the playoffs. So I think it's all about the playoff with the Lakers. I remember LeBron them. He's over at Cleveland, and they weren't one of the top one or two seeds. But he, you know, once he got in the playoff, the team did. And you're right. You're so right, Vince, that they do need to bring get a little camaraderie before the playoffs. But the Lakers have a season team, and I think that if they can get back. Uh, a few games before the playoff, I think the Lakers will be fine. But I, I did have one question I did want to ask you since you were bringing up uh, basketball. Uh, yeah. The, the Hawks, are, I'm, I'm in Atlanta. The Hawks have won eight in a row. I mean, uh, what what are, you think their chances of making the playoffs? Well, yeah, I would figure they're a playoff team. That You just look at the talent, all the moves that they made in the offseason. And, and, Carl, I appreciate it. Like, you look at it and you go, okay, they're aggressive They're looking to get in. They have the coaching change. And what do you know? Suddenly things are taking off. Players are getting healthy. So it's all starting to come together for Atlanta. Right now, you're the five seed. Great. Great. 
look around, look at some of the competition. Is there anything when you're looking at the East that's really out of place to the point where you go, man, the Hawks are, are going to dip like crazy. I mean, it's tight there on the back end. But, okay, the Knicks, you figure they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be sticking around. Boston's in the playoff picture right now. So you're talking about a seeding issue. But would I take the Hawks over the Hornets? I would. Um, could the Pacers get a little bit better? Maybe. But also, they could be selling. So I don't know what to make of them. I, I've, I feel very comfortable about the Hawks getting into the playoffs right now. I wouldn't really sweat it as much as it's a tight playoff race there. But going back to the Lakers for a second, because I just thought about a nightmare scenario. I mean, think about this, right? Lakers end up in the playoffs as a five seed. Nuggets are four. Now you're getting a team that might not have a lot of time together just before the playoffs. Now you're going to Denver. Now you're dealing with elevation. Now you can have a seventh game in Denver with the elevation. Like, that's an ugly scenario. That's a nightmare scenario. And even if you get through that, think of the physical exhaustion. And that's one of the benefits that LeBron's had for all the years that he's been so successful. First round of the playoffs, you're playing a one seed, you're play, or you're playing as a one seed or a two seed. You're playing bad competition. You're winning those series in four or five games. So when you can so routinely beat bad teams in the playoffs and advance to the second round and get a couple of days of rest and go into that second series as fresh as you can be. And now you're playing Denver for seven games and scraping by like that's ugly. That's the worst way you could possibly, even if you survive the first round, that's the worst way to survive the first round. So there is some level of urgency with this. Obviously you got a little bit of time right now. But you got to be aware of nightmare scenarios and how this could sneak uh, sneak up on you if the Lakers, with all these injuries, can't lock up a two-seed, for example. And you look at the quality of the West. Suns have been great this year. That was the expectation. They would be a very good team. They've been exceptional. The Jazz, they're not going to be slowing down anytime soon. So you look at them, unless there's major injuries, uh, Clippers right now are not, like, over-the-moon inspiring, but that's still a good team. So as the Lakers hit this tough stretch, if those other teams maintain the status quo, you are talking about a four seed, a five seed, six seed, somewhere in that neighborhood. Before, I didn't think it was a huge deal for the Lakers. The more time and as we've gotten closer to the deadline and the finish line, it feels a lot worse. So something for them to worry about. If you want to get in, though, again, 855-212-4227 is how you join the show. Okay, I, I got to share this with you. This is something I thought was absolutely hilarious. All right. So Nick Sirianni is the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And they just had a press conference the other day. I think it was at the same time or just around the same time of Carson Wentz's press conference in Indianapolis. So maybe there's some gamesmanship involved in all of that. But they had a press conference and totally unrelated to anything with Carson Wentz. Sirianni was having a nice family moment and something hilarious happened. We know the sign of a good coach is using the personnel. Like I love to have a chance to brag on my brother. Like my brother, I think is the best football. He doesn't coach high school football anymore, but what he did at Southwestern High School was he won a state championship running the pro system. Then he had the athletes to run a spread system, and he ran the spread system, and they won a state championship. And three years later, he had no athletes. 
Sorry to any of those Southwestern kids that are listening right now. He had no athletes. They turned to the wing tee, ran the wing tee, and went to the stinking state championship game. They didn't win the state championship game. So, whatever. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Just ripping these poor high school kids. How funny is that, man? How funny is that for him to just lay that out in a press conference? Because, you know, as soon as he does it, naturally everybody that went to that high school is going to be aware of it and talk about it, and every kid on that team is going to be like, oh, man, coach thought I wasn't talented at all. Now, meanwhile, they're probably working in an office somewhere, so they were right, you know? Because <laughs> you got to figure there's a lot of high school teams that don't have anybody that's good on the team. I mean, I played grade school football, so I played up through eighth grade. We weren't any good. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. 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 Vince Quinn starting left guard, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, Uh, it it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. Our best player, trying to think of all the years that I played grade school football. I played one year of high school. I was on the freshman team, and I didn't belong. I just didn't. Like, they were were mutant people. They were all, like, 6 foot 5 and 280 pounds at 15 years old. I did not understand it. Um, But... Best I had was a guy that was on, like, the JV team in high school. I mean, really? (laughs) None of us translated. We were terrible athletes. And it's so funny to think about it like that, where this coach is telling his brother, he's like, yeah, man, my kids, they all suck. Let's run the wing team. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, He didn't even mean to rip them. He didn't even try. He just stumbled into it. Like he's just like, oh wait, oh they can all hear this that I'm telling them. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Hasn't really been a good start for uh, press conferences with your new coach, huh? No, Sirianni's. No, uh, no, no. He, he's had a tough go. The first time, it's funny too because the two press conferences are absolute extreme opposites from each other. The first one, he stumbled over himself all the time. He's just like, yeah. So uh, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna, um, we're, we're, we're gonna. Uh, this one sounded like he was going a mile a minute and couldn't stop. Well, yeah, he just kept going and going and going and going and going and, you know, insulting high school kids. Which <laughs> is always something you want to do. It is. Uh, we're very big on that on this show. That is our number one goal. Just do it. I mean, I don't it, like children at all. Yeah. No. Well, actually, related news, by the way, I didn't get to tell you this. I'm an uncle now. Yeah. Yeah, All right. It's not exciting for you. Are, well, you have a you have an older sister, right? Are you, yeah, are you an uncle? Three of them. Okay. Are you an uncle? Yeah, three of them. Okay. So how how are your uncle skills? What's you what's your quality of uncleness? Buying things. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Do you like talk with the kids at all? Do you sure? You small talk? Sure. You know, you play with the dolls, One the of race cars, like or a teenager. Okay, that's good. So there you go. Yeah. So you wait for like you'll care a little bit more when they get older. I guess. <laughs> no, they're they're all great. You don't strike me as a baby guy. I'll say that. No. Yeah, I and typically I haven't been. Historically, I've been like, yeah, I'll talk to you when you're four. You know, like I at least want a little bit of personality and like moving around. You know, I like just the like conked out, wrapped up, swaddled baby. Generally, didn't do anything for me. And then I saw the pictures of this kid. Which is now like my family. It's my brother's baby. I was like, holy crap, it's my brother's baby. And now I'm like, oh my God, I love this baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, 855-202. Nick Sirianni, whatever. That's right. <laughs>
4227 is how you join the show. I'm Vince Quinn. That is the nanny himself, James Graceffo. And when we come back, let's get a little bit of NFL free agency. Haven't had the chance to talk about that. That is on the other side. Keep it right here. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Big time free agency signing with Kenny Galladay going to the Giants. I got to tell you, it's a big signing for them. If you're a Giants fan, you get excited. I don't think it moves the needle all that much. I'm not buying the Giants. I'm telling you, I'll say this. Like part of it was I wanted to see him go to the Ravens. I thought that was like match made in heaven. Couldn't be a better scenario. Would be so much fun to see. Give me Lamar Jackson with a good wide receiver. Give me a guy that can catch. Give me a big time guy. You know, he hasn't had that. And for him to have the option of, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, who we were just talking about with Cynthia. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster going to the Ravens would have been awesome. That would have been fun. Now, is he Kenny Galladay? No, but he's good. He's at least a quality starting wide receiver. To have him in Baltimore would be exciting. To have Kenny Galladay in Baltimore would be exciting. For the Giants, you do it because you have Daniel Jones. He's a young quarterback. He's, you know, he's okay. He's fine. It depends on who you ask. But you want to protect your guy. So now you get him a target. He's a big guy. Galladay can really go after it. Contested catches, all that kind of stuff. So now, okay, we put in that money. And hopefully he sort of brings up the quality of play for Daniel Jones. So they've got decent receivers now. They've got a a quality group of pass catchers. And can they win the NFC East, I guess, is the big question, which is, uh, you know, what is it? It's the race to eight and eight, I think, is what we're looking at. I mean, it's not going to be like, oh, my God, is this the, the NFC East, the best division in football? No, the Eagles stink. The Washington whatever stink. Uh, Dallas has one of the worst defenses you'll ever see. And the Giants are just, I don't know, they're, uh, you're going to a lunch buffet at 3 p.m. It's been sitting under the heater for quite some time. You know, it's just, it, it's not, <laughs> it's not a thrilling eat right now. So uh, that's the NFC East for you. I don't know. Ryan Fitzpatrick is fun. That was a fun little development this week. I did not see that coming. It happened. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I like that. By the way, did you see Graceffo, uh Ryan Fitzpatrick's quote? They asked him about revenge games. Did you see that? So good. No, I saw another quote from Ryan Fitzpatrick that was very interesting. Okay, so so I'll give you mine first. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, they asked him, like, oh, so uh, like, what is it like for revenge games? He's like, I've been on every team in the NFL. They're all revenge games, <laughs> which was awesome. I feel like he said something to that effect before. <laughs> I bet he did because yeah. he's been on every team in the NFL. Uh, the one that I heard that I thought was funny was the beat writer asked, basically asked him, you know, uh, what were your plans? You know, we really didn't see this coming. You know, happy to have you in Washington. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was basically like, uh, whoever had the rumor that I was retiring uh, should have checked their sources. <laughs> because there was a report 
like a week ago or or ten days ago. Yeah. That said, Ryan. I think it was John Clayton. Ryan that said Ryan Fitzpatrick was leaning toward retirement, and they basically asked him like, "Where'd this come from?" And Ryan Fitzpatrick basically said, "Uh, you know, whoever had that report and he said John Clayton's name, uh, you know, they should check their sources over again." Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. That is, that's uh, a good one. No, for players, yeah, you want to get that stuff out of the way. They're like, hey, I'm sticking around. I want to play. Give me a contract. All oh, that I kind mean, of stuff. That was the best thing when JJ Watt basically said, "You know what? Uh, he he posted a picture of him in Cardinals gear and he said, like, I'm the source. Like, you <laughs> can trust me. Like, that, I'm telling you what's happening." That is such an interesting thing these days, isn't it? Because like now athletes do have that ability to just go out and be like, "No, this isn't true, or that's that's not true." Like they just they can well, really control they, things that they way. They can, and they probably should do it more often. But I think they yes. were shied away from the whole LeBron TV show angle of it. Like, I think that I think it's taking time now for guys to realize the power that they have to be basically be their own source when they have a situation like this. But you know, when they see the utter failure of LeBron doing it on national television, they think to themselves, "Well, maybe I should you know back off a little." Well, you got to find the balance, and for to be fair for LeBron, that was a long time. I mean, when was the decision now? Was that 2010? Yeah, a long time ago. So he's done a lot of stuff publicly through the media since then. I had a then. future. What? I was young, and I had a future. That's a lot, that's oh, it's, okay, yeah. yes, you specifically. Yeah, me specifically. I was young and had a future. <laughs> now we're old farts in our rocking chairs. I have no future. Um, no comment. <laughs> Everything is behind me. Here I am, What's sitting, I sitting here with you at four in the morning. Oh, come on. I'm a good time. I'm not saying you're not. Yes. This, is just, this is just where I am. I, yeah. You know, there, no, is, there is no future. I'm not exactly rolling in it or like on the trajectory to the moon right now. I'm not Dodgecoin or there's whatever a, you call it. another sleep, another wake up, another day, another sleep. Maybe <laughs> something's good on TV. That's pretty much it. <laughs> well, uh, for a lot of people, there is something good on TV right now. And, and see how smooth of a transition that is. The NCAA tournament, bam. So, couple of things, by the way, with the NCAA tournament. One, they switched off the Thursday start, which has been the norm for the tournament. Thursday, when they get that first round of games, not the playing games because those don't really, those aren't real games. Don't how dare you? But usually, when they really get the bracket going. When they're really getting it, so you're sitting down, you're like, all right, here's this team I've never heard of before in my life, and they're playing Duke, and now I'm as excited as I could ever be about this nobody team because they're down five with six minutes left, and then as soon as that game wraps up, and, you know, they lose by 40, um, then you're on another game with three minutes left, and it's close, and, like, the, the structure of the tournament obviously is so amazing. But that shift from Thursday to Friday, just from friends that I've talked to, like I woke up to a text a couple of days ago and a buddy of mine said, literally, he's like, to whoever will listen, I hate the Friday start of the tournament. And I thought, really? Are you bothered by the, the Friday start when the alternative is Thursday? Why? Like, why is it? The only thing I can think of is that nobody gets anything done on a Thursday. <laughs> like, you're at work, and you go, well, let me just pull up the stream. Or traditionally be like, well, let me find the office uh, TV in the kitchen or something. I'm just going to sit around, go to the lobby, and watch the game for a couple of hours casually. You know, I'll go to, on a long lunch break. So, outside of that, 
I love the Friday start. I do. And like, this is when I work. So (laughs) I'm not missing office time on a Thursday. Not necessarily. All my other stuff I do in my free time. So uh, I can schedule that how I want. But I like a Friday start. It makes more sense. It makes a lot more sense for the first day of the tournament to be on a Friday, right? People are going out and about. They're seeing the friends. You want to take a half day off from work? You want to take a day off from work? I know the number of people have been thrilled. They go every year. They're just like, yeah, man, I just know. Hey, first day of the tournament, I'm taking off. So now you only take off one day of work instead of two. Now you can use it for other stuff. Now you can, I don't know, maybe get out of the house and go hiking one day. Go on a camping trip or something. I don't know. <laughs> Chris Evan, he like winced at that. You're like, what the hell is that? Nobody listening to the show right now is doing that. <laughs> Nobody goes for hikes anymore. No. Like, where would I go to go for a hike? Uh, You can find, come on, in this area you can find a state park pretty easily. Yeah, I have to have a car for that. Oh, well, you don't have a car. Right. Oh. Where am I going for a hike? Okay, yeah, you don't exactly go for a hike in Central Park. Like, this, like, my only hike is to go to the grocery store and come back. Your hike is like a fifth floor, no elevator apartment building. Yeah, which I used to do, which was awful. <laughs> it is awful. I had to help somebody move into an apartment like that once, and we broke up like two months later. It was awful. There was no, <laughs> it was a total mistake. No, that had to be the worst day of your life. It was just about. It was pretty bad. So, yeah, like, that is urban hiking. That's New York hiking. But... Anyway, go, going back to the idea of the Friday start, it's just, yeah, like uh, everything about it seems to make sense for me. And you think about COVID and the way it's changed sports in a lot of different ways. Some of those things are going to translate. And when it comes to the Friday start of the tournament versus the Thursday start of the tournament, I would prefer they just keep it at Friday. I think it makes a lot of sense. Because then you're paring down a tournament a little bit. If you're playing games, okay, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, like, I can live with that. You have less games on Monday, Sweet 16 on Monday, good. Works for me. More stuff you can pay attention to as you're, you know, uh, or you have a better ability to keep up with all of it as you're doing work stuff. So, I like it. If you want to talk about it, 855 212 Four two two seven. That's how you join the show. Now this this one's a little bit of a. I mean that was kind of sort of a take. Here here's one that I, I I've been cooking on a little bit, Graceffo. Okay. With the tournament, they should seed the teams one through sixty four. Instead of one to sixteen, instead of one to sixteen, I don't want one seeds. I want the one seed. I want number two, number three, number four, number five, all the way down to sixty four. Yeah, I got to be honest, I've never given this any thought at all. Yeah, these are the kinds of things that I think about. Because here, think about this. no power. When you have no power, the lights are off in the dark, because what (laughs) do you think about? You are pretty much in the dark, and and technically it's the morning, so it's it's the early morning, but you're you're there in the dark. Um, We are CBS Sports Radio, though, and I do have a little promotion here that tells us to talk about March Madness on CBS, and that'll be uh, noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on CBS. So, like, uh, we have some say in this operation. We're connected to it on some level. I feel and no connection at all. They're listening. Ted Ted Turner, uh, with all the stations that he's got that Don't are connected to this. he owns that anymore. Oh, he's not even owning that anymore. <laughs> well, never mind then. He's, he's still listening. He's still listening, but... Whoever's in charge of all of this that makes these decisions, they are listening it's right not now. Him. Whoever it is, one through sixty-four. That's all I'm saying. Give me one through sixty-four. It's far more compelling that way. It's far more fun. 
think of what comes from that. If you get all of these teams and you label them one through 64, that means something. That's going to get people PO'd, right? Because what are you doing? What What is the value of the tournament? So I'll tell you, Abilene Christian tonight beat Texas. 13 seed, beating a three. I think that was the number. Anyway, <laughs> the discrepancy is what's important. Four, whatever. You, you, you get what I'm saying. I watched the I watched the last two seconds of the game, and I was like, oh, maybe Abilene Christian's going to win. And what do you know? They won. And, why, and that was what made me think of it, because it was fun because they're a low seed. That is the whole thing. That's what's that's what gets that's what gets me casual college basketball idiot fan to watch a game like that and go, oh, oh wow, this is a big deal. They're thirteen. They're four. Four is bigger than thirteen by a lot. So if thirteen is beating four, that's a big deal. You know what I mean? Like on on a stupid caveman level, that matters a lot. A lot? That really powers a story. I mean, Ohio State losing to Oral Roberts, right? Was it a 15 and a 2? Wow, well, that's that's a big difference. Well, what if it turns out that that's 7 and 58? You know what I mean? Like, now we're really, whoa! A 7 lost to a 58? Are you crazy? Like, how does that happen? You know what I mean? Like, that is juice, that's juice. That's energy. That's something to get riled up about. Everybody, because here's the thing, too. With sports, they love mind games. They love coaches, love getting you all rattled up. They don't respect us. They don't believe in us. Did you see that high school newspaper saying that their high school team is better than ours? Oh, well, we're going to go to their house and we're going to spit on the grave of the guy that the school's named after. Like, they just, they, they try to get people riled up. That's what they like to do. So, if you've got a chance as a coach of a college basketball team, and you can go in, you're not just the 12. Yeah, it's 12. Whatever. Okay? You're 48. You know? Oh, well, they put us at 48. We're not even 44. We should clearly be. I mean, this is disrespectful. How did they get 43 and we got 49 when we did this? You know, it's just like it's another thing to gripe and complain and create drama. And it just like I would love to see it. It's so dumb. I know it. I know it is. It's it's ridiculously dumb and simple, but I can guarantee you it becomes far more interesting because you're separating those numbers so much. Think about what was that school a couple of years ago with the nun and the nun kept show. She's like Loyola, Chicago, sister Jean. This is Graceffo sports idol, sister Jean. He's, he's going to be sister Graceffo 50 years from now, sitting on a jet sideline, um, <laughs> Father Graceffo, excuse me. And <laughs> he's sitting on the sideline like that. But think about what it would be like if you get that school and whatever seed they are, and they're in the 50s, and they win like three games. Oh, wow, the 55th best team in the country made it to the, uh, I don't know, Elite Eight or whatever it is. Like, that's, that is some... 
Mmm, I got my Italian hands going right now. Like, that's how you know that I'm feeling. I got that, like, ah, the gabagool with the sauce. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, that's that's the energy I got going on right now. Don't give me those looks. I'm half Italian. It's okay. So, you... <laughs> but I, it, it's a small thing, but I just, I, I, I think it would matter. I'd love to see it. Same way with, uh, think about college football. Top 25, right? Oh, well, this school, they're, they're, they're eighth in the country. They lost to a school that's not even ranked. How could they lose to Southwestern Central Tennessee State? They're not even ranked. You know, it just it drives people nuts. The more numbers you can get in on that, I think it would do a lot. But anyway, uh, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. I'm Vince Quinn with you on CBS Sports Radio. That is Father James Graceffo producing the show. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, we're playing the full Vanilla Ice album tonight. First song to last song all the way through. <laughs> like a concert. Um, and, no, we're not. 855-212-4227. That's how you get in. A couple of things with NFL free agency that I, I want to get to the one first that was under the radar. And I really like this move. Really like it. A.J. Green to the Arizona Cardinals is fun. That's a fun one. DeAndre Hopkins on one side. A.J. Green, whatever's left of him, because he's had injuries the past couple of years. He's not the same A.J. Green. This is not superstar, top five wide receiver in the league. Like, he's not that guy anymore. But can you get from him as a number two or number three wide receiver, depending on you know Larry Fitzgerald and... What happens with him, whether or not he decides to come back? Can you imagine how much fun it'll be to have A.J. Green, Larry Fitzgerald, and DeAndre Hopkins all out there together? That's awesome. Like, that is a badass group of wide receivers. It makes me think of, on some level, it makes me think of Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. Like, all the all three of those guys, A.J. Green, well, I'll have to double-check A.J. Green's numbers, but Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, like, all three of those guys, perhaps Hall of Famers. Larry Fitzgerald, stone-cold lock. Hopkins, it's still early, but he's been amazing. A.J. Green had some transcendent years, and maybe. I, again, I'd have to check the numbers, but those are three just absolutely outstanding career wide receivers and having all those guys with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, they like chucking the ball down the field. That's a match. I mean, that's a fit that makes a whole lot of sense. I saw that move and I went, yes, this is great. I don't even like the Cardinals. I don't care about the Cardinals, but now I do like now that's it's another reason to be like, Oh yeah. Cardinals are playing whoever the Rams I'm watching that game. There's no doubt about it. That's must see television. Because especially early in the year, I just want to see what that looks like. That was a little move 
that right now it's like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see what it is. But I got to tell you, I got a little excited about that one. I thought that one was fun. So I like that move a lot. Now, the other one, the, under the radar, that I actually, I really like this move. Uh, it's it's funny to say it, but I love Mitch Trubisky going to the Bills. I love it. Small thing. He's the backup quarterback there. But you know what? If not there, where? Makes a lot of sense. He moves around a little bit. He makes plays from time to time. He's hot and cold. Can they develop him a little bit? Where when he's coming in as a backup quarterback running a Josh Allen offense where Josh Allen runs around all the time, can Mitch Trubisky be a good backup to Josh Allen? Absolutely. I know, Vince. It's Mitch Trubisky. Oh, I know. You you don't have to explain to me the Mitch Trubisky experience. I've seen enough games. I've followed the league enough. I know exactly what we're talking about here. But, you know, backup quarterbacks don't always make sense. It's just this is a guy that's available. He's totally different than our starter. But whatever, we'll figure it out. If we have to play him, we'll just change the offense for him. You don't do that as much here. You know, it's just one of those little things that I go, you know, hey, not not a world beater, but a nice, nice little move. Nice little thing. Seeing Mr. Trubisky go to Buffalo, of all things. But with that, let's talk about Chicago for a minute. Because the Bears signed Andy Dalton. Now, the thing that sums this up at the front of this, it's, it starts with Robert Mays, who, by the way, does a great job. He's, he covers the NFL. He's absolutely excellent. I'm a huge fan of Robert Mays. But he's a Bears fan, and he basically summed it up of, well, last year, Andy Dalton was available. He ended up signing with the Dallas Cowboys for like $4 million. This year, because the Bears last year decided to trade for Nick Foles and all of his guaranteed money and all this stuff. So they went with Foles instead of Andy Dalton. Now, this year, they're paying $10 million to bring in Andy Dalton. Like, it's just... It's a mess up there. It's always a mess in Chicago right now. And this is another example of that. Is Andy Dalton a horrifically bad quarterback? No. And that's the thing. Andy Dalton is a underwhelming quarterback. Yeah, he's not getting anybody excited. He's a 7 out of 10 album from 1995. Right, it's just like, yeah, it's okay. It's been around for a while. I mean, I'm not getting excited about it. There's some good songs. They're all like the third best song on a good album, but that's fine. That's what Andy Dalton is. There's nothing wrong with that. He's totally capable. That's all you need. In a lot of cases, that's all you need. You just need a quarterback that's going to be decent around a good team, and you hope for the best. Like, they're trying to find the big answer. So for now, you had all these talks about you know, Deshaun Watson, and and obviously Watson's a whole mess of a situation. We're going to be talking about that more in about 15 minutes. But Russell Wilson, you know, and Graceffo, you said this when we were talking about before the show, and I think it is important and it needs to be stated, is like you can't force the Seattle Seahawks to trade Russell Wilson to Chicago. Right. I mean, this week the Bears were like the laughing stock of the NFL. Now again, if they had signed Andy Dalton a year ago, they'd have gotten pats on the back. They would have said, great move. You give some competition to Mitch Trubisky, and you take a flyer on a guy. Like, people were talking about Andy Dalton being the Patriots starter last year. People forget this. Yeah. So, it's not like Andy Dalton is horrible. Like, this is they could have done much worse. They could have brought back Mitch Trubisky. They could have brought back the same quarterback room they had last year. At least they're taking a swing at things. So, 
when you go by what they offered, now this is what they offered, this is what, or reportedly offered, mm-hmm. three ones, a three, two starters, and the Seahawks say no? Like, I can't make John Schneider and Pete Carroll trade me Russell Wilson. Like, I can't make them do it. So, like, it's not like the Bears didn't try to get Russell Wilson. They tried their best. The problem is the Bears are picking at the in the 20s. So their first-round pick to replace Russ if the Seahawks take their first-round pick and try to use it to replace Russell Wilson, it's useless. So the Seahawks will have to take all the draft capital they just got from the Bears and use it to trade up. So they got all these three they got all these picks for Russell Wilson, which is all great. But you know what? If they really want to replace Russell Wilson, they got to use them all to trade up. So what's the point in grabbing them? Yeah, you're starting There's, over. Yeah, you're stuck. So Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, have they done a good job? No. They're very mediocre. They backed into the playoffs last year. But you know what? You know what I can say for them? They've at least been to the playoffs twice. Like, I know, I know it's not great. I know it's awful. I know their cap situation is terrible. They had to cut Kyle Fuller. That's awful. Yeah, nobody that wants was bad. To, nobody wants to see that happen. Like if in your if you're in Chicago, like nobody wants to see a lifetime bear get cut over and you a know. former all pro. Right. Nobody wants to see that happen. Like we all understand that. They're in a bad spot. But have they done the worst job in football? No. Uh and to get Andy Dalton and pair him with Allen Robinson, is it the worst thing in the world? No. Are they gonna be you know, are they overtaking the Packers anytime soon? No. So, but at the end of the day, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have to do what they can because they have to save their jobs. So they're kind of stuck in the middle of what they what they really can do. Yeah. It's th- a great offer for Russell Wilson. It's an awesome offer for Russell Wilson. The Seahawks aren't taking it because it doesn't give them a ready-made quarterback option. So what can you do? So, like, I can't make Pete Carroll and John Schneider take the deal. So all the all the people ripping the Bears this week for not trading for Russell Wilson, it's just have a little more common sense. Yeah, just because we talk about these things all the time and people write articles and tweet about it and whatever, like as much as it's a regular conversation, it's still a long shot. You know, that's the thing. Part of it, what makes it a big conversation is it's so exciting because it's so rare. If it happened all the time, we wouldn't really care. Ryan Fitzpatrick signed with a new team. Nobody cares. He does it all the time. It's whatever. It's like, oh, he's in Washington now? Okay, well, I guess that's the 15th different jersey he's wearing. But outside of that, it's it's normal course of business. Russell Wilson in his prime and in the middle of a deal getting traded to another team that never happens. Like it if the, doesn't but if the Bears, happen. But if Vince, if the Bears had a top five pick that the Seahawks knew they could use to draft one of these prospects, they probably would have taken the deal. Like, yeah, if they had no, a top there's, pick, there's a, a right. much if better If the Bears shot. had gone 3-13 and 13 instead of 8-8, eight and eight, and they're in the middle of nowhere in terms of, you know, they're not winning a Super Bowl, and they're not god-awful. So they're in the middle of nowhere. Like, that's nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault that they're stuck with a tw- with a pick in the 20s and they can't get Russell Wilson. Well, yeah, the one thing that you would say is, oh, well, they should have drafted Barrett. Whatever. Like, there's so many other things well, that yeah, go into it. We can, it. Go, in we the can moment, go over that a million times. Yeah, We've done it a problem. million times. They messed up. They messed up. They're, try- they're still trying to fight through the mess up of not picking Watson or Mahomes instead of Mitch Trubisky and the trading up for Trubisky on top of it. Like, there, we understand that. It happened. Like, we can harp on it for the millionth time. What, what's that going to do us now? 
Like we have to move. Like yeah, we have you got to figure it out. Like we got to move on. We got to move on. So now they've moved on. They have a guy who's competent. Like he's competent. Competent. He's very competent. You can you do better? Yeah. Are in the Bears in position to do any better? No. They're not. Who else was available? I mean, Alex oh my Smith. God. Yeah, they didn't get Alex Smith. They should have brought him in, or they should have brought in Tyrod Taylor, who's now in Houston. Like, what's the difference? It's a one-year stopgap, nothing deal. It doesn't matter. But, like, the, but these guys are fight, the these guys are fighting for their jobs. So the Bear fan who wants them to start over and take your rookie quarterback, they're not doing that either. No, unless they're taking you know Kyle Trask in the twenties. Well, I mean, the Bear fan wants them to trade up. They're yeah. not doing. They're not doing that. Good luck with that. Yeah, uh, you already tried that once. So for these two guys who are fighting for their jobs, I mean, this is what you got now. Yeah, they're, they're treading water for the year now, and they're gonna have to figure it out. They're gonna have to see what other options become available, and you know, you'll have picks. You see what happens. But for now, Andy Dalton, it's not the end of the world. It's not a complete disaster. It's not great, and it's certainly not Russell Wilson. But the odds of that were low. They were low. You have to acknowledge that. Like, Matthew Stafford getting dealt and Wentz getting dealt and all those things, those are phenomenons. Like, that's that's incredibly rare. So, anyway, I, I kind of like Andy Dalton. And capable is a great way to describe him. So, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. I'm Vince Quinn. You can always get in at It's Vince Quinn as well on Twitter. 